calling Ben. I'm gonna call the Ben, and it is time for the show. Uh, this is Paul, and I'm calling, calling Ben. Um, I don't know if. Here, let me uh, join, and I'm gonna go with Wi-Fi, and it's Ben. Hey, Ben. Hey, Paul. So, um, here's something fun about my lenses in my glasses. Yeah. I always get transition and progressive wrong, but the way I look at it is this. A progressive lens, right? Yeah. You're, you're moving from one thing to the other, whereas transition, you're changing. And I know that that may sound weird, but progression I think of as movement transition i think of as a transformation so progressive lenses the lens is changing as you're moving down so there's movement far away vision to close vision whereas transition you're going from light to dark i do not have transition lenses i only have progressive lenses um so i can see far away stuff right when i look through the top I can see close-up stuff when I look through the bottom. Computer screens are in a sweet spot where I can't see them hardly at all when I'm wearing these, which is incredible because the reason I got them was to be able to read things better at work. I got progressive lenses from my eye doctor the last... Well, I've had them the last couple times I had a, an eye doctor appointment. But when I was there... And mm -hmm. I mentioned that one of the things that I wanted to focus on was making sure that I can read the computer monitor. Yeah. They offered to hook me up with a pair of computer lenses that are not progressive lenses, but are a special prescription, a single prescription specifically for the computer. But then and, you'd have to take them off whenever you're doing something else, right? Yeah, exactly. You put them on when you sit down at your computer, or you switch your glasses when you sit down at your computer, Yeah, and then you switch your glasses back like when you go home. Um, I would have to probably make the, make the um, determination on, like, if I wanted to keep them at work or at home, because I feel like I use the computer all the time when I'm at home. Yep. Um, but yeah, it is a thing that my, at least my eye doctor is offering, and I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, if I you have talked to yours. They will say the same thing. But they they weren't free, right? You had to buy them also. Oh no, it's a whole new pair of glasses. Yeah. And yeah, see, because I'm I buying use... mine because I'm buying mine from my eye doctor and not from like Zenny or anything because I don't know what the actual prescription will be. I'm gonna have to pay a lot for them because American yeah. insurance means I don't have. Vision insurance. So I, I have vision insurance, so that really helps. Um, I have a pair of these glasses, and I have a pair of reading glasses. And this is the thing, is I used to get by just fine with reading glasses, uh, but I didn't like I didn't like having to put them on whenever I used the computer or read a book. I, I said, I just want one pair of glasses I wear the entire time. And they were like, well, you can do that. You know, you, you have progressive lenses, so you can you can read stuff, you can see far away, you never have to take your glasses off. And I didn't expect that it would um, require me to only see half of what I normally see without my glasses. That was the thing that really uh, I mean, got me. 
it's a trade-off. We're getting older and our eyes are getting worse. And yeah. we're spending more and more in our lives in front of monitors. And so that just, I think, exacerbates the, the yep. decay of our vision. I'm hey. with you, pal. I'm in the same boat. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take take time out at the very beginning to do something visual that our that our friends uh, who are only listening to the podcast are not gonna be able to see. Maybe we can put um, you know screenshot in the in the show notes or whatever. I don't know. Um, or I could send you a picture of me wearing at least one of the things I'm gonna mention. But Ben, let Paul. me ask you a question. This is not Ben gonna guess the news. This is a new a new segment, Ben. New segment. We've got two segments now, at least. Ben gonna guess the history. Are you ready for Ben gonna guess the history? Sure. Ben, what is a whoopee cap? A whoopee cap? Yes. Ben, it what is, is a whoopee cap? Is a whoopee cap a hat? that has a whoopee cushion about Ooh. it somehow okay you're you've got half of it is it the hat part or the whoopee cushion part the hat part it's a type of hat is a hat a a propeller hat Ooh, no like a propeller beanie no but it is a it is possibly a beanie of sorts um, I'm going to say, all right, so this is history, right? I'm going to say this hat was made famous by one iconic character. At least. Uh, so much so that another name for a whoopee cap is a blank hat where blank is the character's name. Is this a... Um, a wholly fic, uh, fictitious character, fictitious character, or is this like an like a silent movie actor? Okay, now this is very interesting. Um, it is a fictitious character, all right. Not an actor, so the name comes from the character name. The character has been seen in a variety of visual medium. Even up until the present day. A, som a something cap. Uh, a something hat. It's a whoopee cap. But a whoopee cap is also oh. called a blank hat, where blank a is the character's name. Character hat. Yeah. And, that's, and the, uh, is it called that just because people don't know whoopee cap? Uh, people don't know Whoopi Cap, but this character embodied this hat so much, or vice versa, whatever you... is. This hat is so... Um, it, the hat predates this character, but this character is so tied to this hat that any modern-day person would call it this hat, this type of hat, instead of a Whoopi Cap. I had to uh. learn the term Whoopi Cap... Uh, in order to to and figure we, out oh, what kind of hat to call this. Are we playing this game because you actually have one now and you want to show it off? I have I have two of them and I want to yeah, show them off. Two of them. All right. I don't want to spend too long on this because I have no idea what it is. So I'm just going to... Um, I know it's okay. not... 
a couple of uh, obvious choices um, because those have those actual hats have different names. Um, yeah, I have no idea. Okay, I'm going to give you a couple of hints because I, I love it when you guess things. One, this character um, began as a secondary character in someone else's uh, uh, property, but then eventually got his own uh, property as well in the original medium and then appeared in the adaptation of that medium that uh, is uh, got was newsworthy during uh, the modern day, the present day. Like within Jeez. the last five years. A character that was a secondary character originally. You're not going to tell me mm -hmm. what kind of medium. Not yet, but I will. Um, but that now... medium got translated into another medium just recently. So and before originally... it was, yeah, and these characters have 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 uh, been with us our entire lives, at least. They had they were introduced before we were born, and and we would see them in this. Uh, I want to say that these are like newspaper comic strip characters. Ooh, 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 comic strip characters. Ben, let me ask you a question. What comics did you use to collect when you were a kid? I didn't collect comics when I was a kid. Did you have any comics when you were a kid? I had like a couple of Batmans. Batmans, okay. So uh, these, these characters uh, appeared both in comic books and in newspapers. Uh, ubiquitous. They would, they would, you would see them even in the supermarket checkout line. You would see them even in the supermarket checkout line in their with their own originally as a secondary character in this in primary character's own comic named after yep. that primary character. Um. Yes. Is it That's Archie? Right. It is Archie. Ben. Is it a who jug is the character? Cap? It is Jughead. Yes. All right. <laughs> a Jughead hat. Hey, I got it. It was originally known as a whoopee cap. I'd never heard of either of those phrases. Ah, okay. So, so I was looking uh, to buy a Jughead hat, and of course, all the Jughead hats that I could find were of Jughead in Riverdale, which is a different type of Jughead hat. It's he wore like kind of a, a beanie, right? Never watched uh, Riverdale. Like a, didn't even know it was an Archie project. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know about Riverdale. <laughs> um, as far as Jughead's hat in Riverdale, until I was looking for the old Jughead hat. Yeah. Uh, and I learned eventually that it was called a whoopee cap after a bunch of searching. And I also learned, and get this, Ben, those hats, the reason you can't buy them is because they aren't, aren't normally bought like that. They're created. By taking another hat and cutting the brim in that crown shape. Yeah, yeah. So if anybody doesn't know what a Jughead hat is, it just looks like a beanie with a crown around the edge. But it turns out, and this is why I wanted to know if you knew what a whoopee cap is, because there were many forms of whoopee caps, sometimes uh, 
by using a fedora, for example. So this is my first whoopee cap. I have to take my headphones off because it won't fit over right. my headphones. Uh, so I'm going to keep talking, but I won't be able to hear you. All right, so, so this is the first quiet. one. Uh, and what I did was I took like a, an alpine cap that a, a German person might wear. Uh, it's green. It has a little feather in it. But I cut the, the crown shape out of it. And it, it fits pretty well. And then the other thing is that uh, they were shoved further onto the head. So they might have been smaller, right? But you can actually tuck your ears in, shove them down. So this is my first one that I made. This is a, a whoopee cap made from a sort of uh, green alpine, uh, you know, imagine the Ricola guys. I have to uh, tell them. But that's that number one. Microphone so I'm going to put, take it off, put the headphones back on for a second. Microphone. So, All right, then, so the next time, yeah. Paul, the next time you take your headphones off, keep them close by because the microphone on the headphones is what I'm hearing and I can't hear you. Oh, okay. That sounds great. Don't put them down. Just like hold them in front of you. Did you did you see it though? <laughs> did you see the, the hat? Yes. Yeah, I saw yeah. the hat. Um, uh, the people at home uh, will already know this, but I'll tell you, this was like an Alpine hat cap, like a Ricola kind of cap that I, yeah. that I cut into those shapes. So this next one, I think you're going to be a little bit more impressed. Uh, you you were seemed uh, okay, Paul. That's a thing that you did. Uh, that was the the look I saw on your face when I did. But just hold on to your <laughs> hat. Uh, all right, here we are. Okay, so this one uh, is a top hat uh, that I've cut into the uh, the shape. And if you can see this. Um, the Jason Webley used to do this thing in Seattle called Camp Tomato, and I, uh, I, I tied the bandana from Cap from Camp Tomato onto this whoopee cap to give it a little bit more of a uh, a fun, a fun sort of festo festive uh, feel to it. Uh, so this is my my second whoopee cap. Even though I made this one first, I made this one first, but it seems like. This is more uh, the green one, which I'm going to show here. This is more of your everyday whoopee cap that you would wear like normally, whereas this is more for formal occasions and uh, a art formal projects. whoopee cap. Uh, the formal whoopee cap, yep, indeed. So there you go, Ben. My two hats that I've made, and what I've done is I've transformed hats that I don't normally wear into hats that I still won't normally wear, but are more but interesting. <laughs> But now you can't get rid of them. You own. You can't like donate them or anything because they, you've, oh, you've could, modified them. I could donate those. I mean, come on. Somebody, <laughs> somebody's gonna have a crazy day. They'll no. Yeah. You put those in goodwill. They're gonna be like, what kind of hat is this? This is crazy. This is five hundred dollars. This hat has been vandalized. We can't sell this. See, Ben, I I would say that the, these hats have been artistically uh, adapted <laughs> to. I mean, I love them. Yeah. I love these hats. They're, they're oh really no, that's great. great. You can love them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. For those of you at home. <laughs> Ben got me with that because <laughs> Ben and I both have a, a love of um, uh, certain comedians and certain, and this is the thing is that we, and Ben, I think you'll back me up on this. Uh, we don't necessarily even know the comedians, but there are some mathematical formulas to jokes that yeah. we have adapted yeah. into our own 
uh, Ovier, if you will. Uh, and and one of them is, uh, I think it's pretty smart. Well, I know you think it's smart. <laughs> and then that's it. Yeah. That's the end. Oh, speaking of which Ben. Uh, which Ben? Oh no! Here, here. Oh. Uh, lost my uh, spells. Uh, no. Uh, so here's the here's the thing. Um, steamed hams, the Simpsons. Uh, uh, it's like um, short films about Springfield. There's one called Steamed Hams where Principal Skinner uh, has a superintendent come over because he's going to cook him uh, food, but his roast gets burnt, so he goes to Krusty Burger and grabs. Uh, some hamburgers and tries to pass them off as his own cooking. Um, but uh, the superintendent doesn't really buy it. But he's... He, he works through it like it's still plausible. Even though Skinner is like... His kitchen's on fire and he says that it's the Aurora Borealis uh, and things like that. And eventually... Uh, Chalmers says, well, oh, and, and this is the thing, is that there's smoke coming out of the oven, and he tells, anyone who's seen this is going to be like, Paul, you're telling this way too wrong. Is Smoke coming, oh, sorry. Is this a recent episode of The Simpsons, or is this like uh, classic Simpsons? Well, I don't, I I'm haven't gonna, seen this episode. I, don't, I, I think it's more recent. I'll say that, it's more recent. And by it's, recent it's, Simpsons, we can say like within the last 20 years. Yeah, 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 it's recent, <laughs> it's recent. Um... And so, but the but the thing is that um, the reason it's called steamed hams is because uh, when Chalmers comes in and the roast is burning, he says, "Why is there smoke coming out of your oven?" And he says, "Well, it's not smoke; it's uh, steam from the steamed clams that we're having." And then when he comes back with the crusty burgers, he says, uh, "I thought we were having steamed clams," and he says, "No, I said steamed hams." So that's where it came from. Uh, right. All of his lies are are bad and lame, and yet somehow Chalmers still believes him. That's that's sort of the um, the take of it. But what happened with steamed clams? And anyone who who already knows about this uh, is gonna feel a little crazy because this is a meme that has already passed. It's already done. I'm obsessed with it now because I never knew about it. Uh, but is everybody it not else the, is the like, kids who are wrong meme. Uh, no, no. Okay. So what people have done is they've taken this short Simpsons clip, steamed hams, and they've changed it multiple times through editing. So one of the ones that I saw was it's still it's steamed hams, but every time it's and it's a split screen, right? It's the two the two scenes side by side. In one of them, every time that Skinner speaks, it's at 50%. It's slowed down 50%. And then the other one, any time the superintendent speaks, it's slowed down 50%. So these two things are, are moving, and the time is all screwed up because one of them is going super slow, one of them is going super fast. There's another one where it, the video plays forward, but their dialogue is reversed, so it's sort of like uh, the Red Room in Twin Peaks, except um, it's the lines that they're actually saying. There's another one that anytime Skinner lies, uh, the the video restarts, but is uh, 25 times faster. And so it just starts going super, super fast. 
so on and so forth. Like there are hundreds of these variations that people have made and I'm obsessed with it now. And I keep on watching all the different ones. But again, this is something that has come and gone. No one is interested in it anymore. And so the fact that I now <laughs> like it and am really obsessed with it, uh, there's I'm a man without a country, Ben. There's no one. Uh, the only person who vaguely knows about this and is interested in it enough to listen to me talk about it is Betty. She she experienced it when it was happening. Yeah. And so for it's her, like, it's a like, it's a memory. Yeah, that is such old. That is so old. Exactly. That's right. Hey, Betty's um, birthday was on Tuesday. Yeah. I had seventeen. Seventeen. Seventeen did, year did old Betty. Betty have a good birthday. Um, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, she seemed to like it. Went to um, <laughs> went to Edison's, which is a um. Like a bowling alley, kind of, but there are also games. Yeah. One of the interesting things is that when you when you um, have your birthday at Edison's, right, you can play all the carnival games you want for free. You have a little card, and you can play all the carnival games. Now, nice. thinking about economics, Ben, what is the one thing about, like, you know, think of your showbiz pizzas, your Chuck E. Cheese's and all that. Economy-wise, what must happen if you can play any carnival game for free? What must happen if you can? Well, yeah, economy-wise, for the for the the thing that has this as the birthday, they lose out on a couple on a few dollars of video game token sales, but right. it, they make up for it because the birthday kid brings all their friends who still have to pay. Exactly, but well, well, also that that you also get cards for the other kids as well. Oh, the um, entire birthday party gets to play yep. for free. Oh, okay. which well, means it, if they that's a big difference. If, if they can play for free, what does that mean about when they win one of these carnival games? If they're if everyone's playing for free, no one's playing for tokens. What happens when they win? Do they still get the prizes? They don't get any prizes. No <laughs> tickets come out. So you're just playing these carnival games, and I don't know about you, I mean, but the but that's the I mean, like the, the, when we were kids, yep, prizes from games wasn't really a thing. Like I remember going to the Chuck E. Cheese. I don't ever remember collecting tickets. It was the oh. playing of the game that was the point. That's incredible. Where I grew up. There were tickets, and and that's why you played. And the thing is that it's like paying the iron price in Game of Thrones. If you have a little parachute guy that you throw up and then the parachute guy falls down and floats down, that's a, that's a cheap prize. That's not fun. But if you got 50 tickets and bought that little guy, it meant something more. Yeah, and that's why Rick Miller says you should never give away your CD because people don't value it as much as if they make if you make them pay for it, even yeah. like five bucks. I will say this: um, one of uh, the people that you and I know who are it, who has a good head for business told me at one point in time because I was I was selling a book of mine for five dollars and said uh, that's too low. You have to sell it at a higher price that way people will value it. Yeah. Um, 
So I put it. I put another book that I was selling at a higher price. Nobody bought it. Yeah. Whereas that's, the book that I have for five dollars, people kept buying it. So I was like, off. all right, yeah. But here's the thing: he was using business acumen, and I was using uh, improv uh, th ticket sales acumen. Uh, You're like, people, I just want people to read it. I just want to get it into people's homes. Exactly, and and the idea of for for improv, right? You want a big crowd, and it's better to have a big rowdy crowd of people who pay two dollars to get in, than to sell your tickets for fifteen dollars and have you know a uh, half of a house. That's that's kind of how I think about it with my books as well. Yeah, I would rather five people buy it for five dollars than one person buy it for twenty five. I mean, it's an interesting correlation between that and giving away comp tickets to theater. Do you feel that if somebody goes to see a play for free, that they value it less than somebody who go who pays full price for their ticket? See, this is my thing. Um, I'm thinking that, think about it this way, right? If you get a comp to a ticket, I mean, if you get a comp to a ticket, hey. No, if you get a comp ticket to a theater thing. Normally, you know somebody in the production, or you're another theater person, right? Yeah. I think that your buy-in is already there, right? This is the thing. Um, improv shop here in in uh, my area. I liked the improv shop. I stopped taking classes from them, not because I didn't like them, but because I got a new job and it conflicted, right? Or not a new job. I got new responsibilities with my job. Let's just say that. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll yeah, talk yeah. to you more about it after the uh, after the show. <laughs> oh, another um, update. <laughs> but uh, but the big thing with that is that um, you know I I got I got in to f to see the show for free because if you were a student there you would get in for free right. But because of that, your entire improv audience was filled with improv students, people who knew you know. Yeah, they knew what to expect and they loved it and they got to see their friends do it and all that sort of thing. So it worked out really well. Um, so that's the thing is that I, I do understand the idea and especially with music, it's a different thing, right? You think about music and the people who are really into it. You think about indie record stores. You and I, when we were growing up, if somebody worked at an indie record store, they were a certain type of person. Yeah. And they would they would absolutely not value a free CD more than a Japanese import that costs thirty eight dollars or whatever, which is a lot in the and when we were growing up, thirty eight dollars is still a lot actually. Yeah, I mean, yeah, cost aside, I see your point. Yeah, so I mean. You know, I I do not begrudge Rick his opinion. I think that it's a it's a very good um, point. Uh, I also know that if you are only in it for the ego and you want people to to like something, lots of times if you give it away for free, uh, they'll be more uh, appreciative and less critical, uh, depending on how you uh, present yourself. Yeah, Giraffe maybe. and Elephant uh, are friends, right? Everybody loved that comic when it was a free web comic. Uh, when I when I tried to sell the big book of Giraffe and Elephant, a color uh, book that costs thirty dollars to print at the time that I was printing it, and I sold it for less. 
than thirty dollars, it was still still too expensive. People didn't want to pay for it. I don't even, even remember that it. happening. Yeah, a big book of giraffes and elephants. Yeah, I think you can still actually get it on Amazon. Um, it didn't it conflict just, with your Disney book. Uh, I own the characters and I can do what I want. Apparently, oh. apparently. Uh, and now <laughs> they I'm never owned by. Me. Uh, yeah. Uh, now my book is uh, owned by Little Brown instead of Disney, which is interesting. Um, huh. And yeah, this is one of the things that I, you know, and I, I know that we've already kind of uh, came and went with this, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Uh, digital art, whenever people were complaining about it and talking about it and all that kind of stuff and about how they, um, you know, they're not going to own their thing and uh, people are going to steal it. I, all of that kind of stuff. The amount of crazy legal stuff you have to go through when you're selling your, your artwork and story as a children's author through a big publisher is kind of crazy, right? Uh, because you have to tell them, uh, this is mine. And if it's not mine and I get sued because I took it from somebody else, uh, you don't have to, you don't get sued. I'm the only one that gets sued. Like all this stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. The trade off is, at least for me, you have the rights for a whole bunch of stuff. Like if, if there was ever a giraffe and elephants uh, TV show, right? I would have the rights to that. Disney wouldn't have the rights to it, that sort of thing, which is pretty, pretty good. Um, but again, this is another thing. When I was at the, um, at the reality show, right? There are pictures of me that they have perpetual licenses for so that they can use it on, uh, you know, their TV show and all that. And the, the contract actually has language like um, forever throughout the universe. Like that, that <laughs> and I'm serious. This contract does that not language. expire. Right, exactly. There are no limitations to how much we own this. I own it, I control it. Which is it? Which is really interesting. And again, you know, I'll make it. I'll make a, a note about this one more time. People who right now are using AI programs are providing, uh, content. Right? They are generating information for those AI systems for free. And sometimes they're actually paying for the, uh, you know, all the stuff about hey, click yeah. here for what what are traffic lights. You know how yeah. we that was all free labor that we provided? Um, click here if you like this picture. Oh my gosh, Ben. Right? Rank all these pictures of what you like and what you don't like. Um, that sounds like work. It is work. So much so. Uh, and I was fine with it when I was doing it. I would do it again. Uh, I still have some of those pictures on my phone that the, uh, the AI uh, artist generated, and I thought it was really great. You know, there's some cool stuff there. Do but, you know if um, all those old G&E comics survive anywhere online? I know something happened with KMO server, I think, that uh, took I had them, them when on, it was... I had some of them on Flickr for a while. I don't know. They might still be floating out there. This is, this is actually kind of interesting. Um, when I was doing the GOG, G-O-G comic strip uh, for the University of Missouri at Columbia um, I would never really save my originals I'd like leave them on the printer or throw them out or whatever and the people 
uh, were really, you know, all the other artists were like, what are you doing? This is your original stuff. You should save it and catalog it and all that. And yeah. I'll tell you, Ben, if it weren't for you and your, you know, history of Goody Lawrence that we had, uh, you know, I wouldn't, you know, people would say, what did you guys do? And I'd be like, I don't know. It's over. I'm not doing it anymore. It's theater. It's ephemeral. If you weren't there to witness it, too bad. Yeah, but I, I really do love the fact that you do keep those records. and Because it's kind of I cool. am but, the exact opposite of you. I am a collector. I believe that G&E is floating out there in the ether uh, probably throughout eternity. Oh! Shoot! In fact, this is really interesting. Um, we... And when I say we, I mean me. I saw a clip of Carl Sagan talking about um, the fact that our TV shows are in space and will be forever. That ones that were broadcast, that yeah. The ones that are broadcast now are currently, uh, let's see, like probably eighty light years. Some things are eighty light years away. From Earth right now? I wonder how far like, 80 light years is. It's 80 light years. That's the distance. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I mean, like, relative to how far the moon is from us, for example. Oh, it's, it's far outside of our, of our solar system at, you know, at the very yeah. least. I don't know how far, I don't, I don't think it's outside of the galaxy. Yeah, but outside of the, you know. I do still think Not that we... outside of the observable universe. I feel like the United States, and Earth in general, like all of Earth, probably, uh, are considered by aliens to be like uncontacted tribes. The same sort of thing. <laughs> and, and UFOs for us are very similar. You know, we saw them. When they come, we get, like, freaked out. Um, and we know that there's something, but we don't really understand what they are. Well, that's right? big news today. I mean, the you heard about the Chinese spy balloon, yeah? Um, the yes, I heard about the Chinese spy well, balloon. This is like a week since, ago, uh, something a, uh, a little bit more than a week ago, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from well, now, but like since then, the U.S. have shot down three more unidentified objects. Yep, that I the heard US about that have also. said are not balloons nor Chinese in nature. <laughs> Not Chinese in nature. Ben, I'm about to, to tell you a story of something that happened. Um, I believe... Okay, so you remember where I lived in uh, Mount Baker. Or near Mount Baker. You remember that area? Right? Yeah, the, your, the last house you lived in, yeah? Yeah. Um, so there was... A, it In the... Uh, in the oh what's the what's the other place it's mount baker and what what's the other area that's right near there um there are two there columbia are two, city no no um it, it, when i say it you're gonna be like oh paul come on um there were two areas there was mount baker and then there was the the other the other stop there was another stop right near mount baker on the light rail um beacon hill Beacon Hill. There we go. Thank you so much. So, uh, Beacon Hill had Red Apple. And Mount Baker had um, 
QFC. And for the sake of um, this story, uh, I was going to say, I don't remember which it is, but as I'm saying it out loud, it was Red Apple. <laughs> All right. I was I've been in to that Red, Red Apple. I know, which, I know exactly which one you're talking about. I was in Red Apple, and there were uh, these young, stylish Asian men who were in line in front of me. And the checkout person, who I'm hoping doesn't work there anymore, <clears throat> but if they do, I'm not going to say anything that... Um, you know, identifies her, a young white woman, uh, checking them out. And these guys are like, you know, they got jackets on and sunglasses and all sorts of, you know, looked, looked like models of some, of some They type. put effort into their appearance is what you're saying. Put effort into their appearance. And she said, where are you guys from? To them. Yeah. And one of them says... Uh, we're Chinese. At which point in time, the checkout person says, and I quote, Oh, wow. You can't even tell. What? <laughs> and for the life of me, I don't know what she meant by that. I... Were they wearing sunglasses and... Masked? Well, they were uh, again sunglasses. Lots of no. This was you know, like just they were going grocery shopping, but they were stylish. Yeah. And the only thing I can think of is that she maybe thought that people in China didn't wear nice clothes, something to that effect. I don't know. Who knows what she thought? But the point is that she could have stopped it. Oh wow. You know, which would be like, yeah. you know, the only thing I, the, because this is my thought, like as I, because exa I examine it every once in a while, because it's something that is confusing to me, because the, we have racism in this country, but that's a weird sort of racism. You can't even tell that you're from China. What does that mean? So my that's, thought about it is yeah. that she said, where are you from? Meaning, you know. Where are you from? Like, are you guys Beacon from Beacon Hill, First Hill? Mount oh, not Baker, even that. That's Columbia City. That's a, that's a totally different idea. I like it. My thought is, where are you guys from? Are you from Sub Pop? Are you from, you know, uh, like, like, where do you guys work? What do you? Are you from a magazine? Like, yeah. you don't seem like like the normal people who would be shopping here. I think that's what she. You don't look like I, locals. Giving her the benefit of the doubt. I think that's what she was going for. And she was trying to find out, you know, where where they were from. Like, are you here shooting a movie? Whatever. And when she got the information that they were from China, something broke in her brain to where she thought, ah, this is a compliment. I will tell them that you can't tell that they're from China. I don't... That's, it still doesn't work, though. I don't know what leads to that, even if you're like sort of like in panicky mode because you've been called out on something. The, yeah. Like, I do know that Asian Americans have a thing about Americans, not just Asian Americans, all Asians, regardless yeah. of their, you know, where they were from, uh, have a thing about Americans asking them where they're from. That right. Is it is a not. Total it thing. is not um, appreciated at all. Right. 
Especially if At they all. are now. Now these now the people here. I mean, I believe that they were from. You know, like like when he said when she said where are you from, and they said we're Chinese. I think it is possible that they were visiting from China, like because being asked where they were from and saying that. I feel like even at that time in like, you know, the, the early two thousands, if she says, where are you from? And they say, you know, they would, I think say we're from here. What do you mean? Something like that. So I think that they may actually have have not been local, but here's the thing. Um, if I'm going to, and you know, is this good use of the podcast time? Maybe not, but if I'm going to delve a little bit deeper, it is possible that the woman asking this it was sort of, um, you know, an otaku, if you will, fetish, fetishizing Japanese culture. And when she said, where are you from? She was expecting that they would say that they were from somewhere in Japan. And then she could do that. And when they said, we're, we're Chinese. And she said, wow, you can't even tell. What she meant by that was that she thought that they were from Japan. Yeah. And somehow thought that they were masquerading as Japanese people because of some weird thing that she had in her head. Anyway, none of this is is in, interesting to anyone but me, possibly. Anyway. Whoopee so cats, I, uh, Ben. This is what I, I'm... Uh, yeah. I, uh, I was going to, like post about this on Facebook, but I'm friends with this person on Facebook and I don't want to start a thing, but I do have to get this off my chest. Yeah. Um, I have a, I have an acquaintance. Like they're an old coworker. Like I, it's not like a, we were like friends when we were coworkers, but you know, yeah. now I, they are very. Not, not to, not to name who this person is, but is, is this the job that you had when I first met you? No. That coworker. Previous no. or, or after? After that. Okay. Um, but in their posts, they're very anti-vaccine, very anti-mask, yeah. and vocal. Uh, you can kind of see where this is going, and very vocal about like people who take people who were who still wear masks are stupid and sheeple, and you know very much Ugh. the that person. Today, it just posted that um, their son now has COVID. And I have absolutely no sympathy for her. I have all yeah. the sympathy for her son, who yeah. has to have her. I, I was trying to keep it gender free, but who has to have her as a mom. But um, wait, but yeah, no, I'm like, okay, yeah, like it's just you know you're familiar with the subreddit Herman Cain Award, and where. Uh, we show they show people who are very anti-vax who then suddenly not suddenly but who then pass away because of covid um which is what i don't think i remembered herman cain dying from COVID. yeah yeah i don't think i remember that herman cain died like like shortly after a trump rally or a republican convention or something after like uh for for those on twitter saying he wasn't going to wear a mask at all for those of you listening in the future, Herman Cain was a presidential candidate for the United States. Uh, a 
a doctor of some kind, perhaps a surgeon. A brain surgeon. A brain surgeon. Very famously a brain surgeon. Something about being stabbed always, in his belt. Who always... What? Like he got attacked by someone or... Either he stabbed someone or someone stabbed him. There was a... There was some sort of rumor about I don't that remember in that his little youth. subplot. But Herman came. I think was, he got stabbed and his belt he, stopped it. Something like he that. He came off publicly as sort of aloof and disorganized. And you're like, yes. this dude was a brain surgeon? Yeah. Anyway, he he boasted about not wearing, not getting the vaccine, not wearing a mask, and then he died after contracting COVID. And so... Thus, Herman Cain Award. Thus, the Herman Cain Award. On now, him. I will so, tell you something... Uh, about this that I, I don't know what Seattle is like right now, but I have had my vaccines. I've had my boosters. Uh, I ha I'm up to date with my boosters. No one, no one in my town wears masks except yeah. for a few people now. Like you'll yeah. see one or two. And I, I often, uh, I carry mine with me and I'll put it on if someone's wearing one around me. But I don't remember it like I obsessively used to. Right? right? Like, I have to see someone wearing it to remember to put mine on. Uh, and it's it's simply because in the in the, the, the place where I live, everyone just decided that it was over. I, yeah, it's weird. I actually flew through Chicago a couple weeks ago, and I was amazed at how few people were wearing masks. Like, yeah, I, I consider I will... Chicago to be a fairly progressive town. And, yep. yeah, nobody. Tourists to Chicago from uh, places where I live, for example, would be one reason. Maybe Chicago's over over it, too. But if I go on public transportation or if I'm, if I'm doing... If I'm in a large group of people, the one thing... I guess the biggest thing that I went to that I didn't have any mask on and no one else did except for one of the performers uh, it was Betty's band concert. Everybody, room full of students and parents, nobody wearing yeah. masks. Um, as I say it out loud and I remember, you know, where I was at, you know, not even a few months ago, I would have been afraid to be in that situation. I guess now it feels... And I, the only way I can say it is it, it feels like relativity. You know, the fact that that I would be in, in any situation I'm going to, if I was wearing a mask, I'd be the only one wearing it. And I think it was also my beard. When my beard got long, it would poke out of the bottom, and I thought that was weird. Now that I've actually shaved, I still, have a, I still always have one on me. So maybe I'll start wearing it again. That's smart. I mean, I hear that this late, every time there's a new variant, it's like it's the most deadly, whatever, or the most trans transmissible. But uh, yeah, apparently there's a new variant out there. I don't remember what it, what the what the what the letters are like XB or something like that. Yeah. And and it's like super transmissible, and nobody's taking it seriously anymore because trains are exploding and we're shooting UFOs out of the sky. Why do we even bother with COVID anymore? I saw a news article that said that the government had purchased like 1.5 million new doses or something, something to that effect. Uh, of so, a fact. Oh, of the, of the, yeah. like the newest vaccine. Yeah. So that tells me that at least some people are paying attention. 1.5 million. That's, you, 
hardly anything. Well, I don't know. It might have been more than that. Um, I just remember the number 1.5. Yeah. And I know it was more than that. More than 1.5, you know, vaccines. 1.6. So I put million on there. Yeah. Um, hey, by the way, um, did you ever see 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown? I have never seen a complete episode, but I have seen clips of many episodes. Do you know the story behind it? There's a British show called Countdown where people take um, numbers and try to come up with... People take randomly generated numbers and come up with a subtotal, a given subtotal, or as close as they can get. Yeah. And they can add, subtract, multiply, and divide. And then the other thing is create a math problem to to come up with this given subtotal. And then they also get random letters and have to make words out of them. So those are the two... And eight out of ten cats was another panel show. I believe it was hosted by Jimmy Carr, and then they kind of combined the two. Yeah, and then they yeah they smashed the two of them up, and it is great. Uh, it is it is something that I kind of love watching because it's got all my little bits in it. Um, I like moving letters around in my head, and I like trying to do math stuff. <laughs> uh, but they're better than me. Uh, one of the things is that they use scratch paper, and I don't. Scratch paper doesn't help me. Uh, and a lot of these things, uh, anagrams and stuff like that, because I, I kind of like, like move them around in my brain instead. And I can find, you know, eventually I'll just see it, right? I'll see, oh, this is the, this is the word, you know, but the math is, is more difficult for me. Do you play the New York Times spelling bee? I don't, I don't do any New York Times stuff. Sounds like it would be right up your alley if you're what taking is it? anagrams. It's uh, it's an anagram word generator. So you have one letter in the middle that you have to use uh-huh. in every word. And then you have, I think it's eight words around it. Or eight letters around it. Eight yeah. like seemingly random letters. And you have to find words using the letters. You don't have to use all the letters. I think you can even use a letter twice. Like a double double huh. M, but okay. um, and like once you once you get like a certain number, you become a queen bee, and uh, and then oh, if you get all app? the words, I think, I don't think it's an app. I think you just play on their website, but oh, it might okay, be but a, it, but it's computer. Might it's yeah, people play it on their phone. <laughs> okay. Uh, so anyway, so I don't know. check it out if you get I don't bored. Know. It, it might sounds be... like it's right up, be right up your alley. Yeah, I the the thing that I, I worry about is um, you know stuff like that. I can get sucked into it. Uh, whereas <laughs> eight out of ten cats does countdown. I can also get sucked into that, but I'm also watching comedians, so it's um, I can be I I can I I still pretend like I do comedy, Ben, even though I haven't since I moved here. Um, gotten... I still have that brain. I've gotten sucked into the TV show The Night Manager. Have you seen this? Oh, uh, The Night Manager. I haven't seen it, but I know about it. Uh, Hugh Tom Laurie Hiddleston plays uh, and Hugh Laurie, a bad guy. Yeah, he's the bad that guy. That Tom Hiddleston has to kind of. Yeah, it's a limited series. There's only six episodes um, in one season. That's all. It's because it's based on a book. Yeah. And. Um, uh, unlike other TV shows based on books, they stopped when the book ended. Yeah. Um, 
But it, I, actually, I had this. I had this conversation with with um, somebody the other day where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm watching. It. It's based on a John Le Carre novel. And he's like, oh, do you mean John Le Car? I'm like, John Le Car? I thought it was John Le Carre. He's like, no, no, it's John Le Car. I'm like, all right, whatever. I later looked it up. I was right. It's pronounced John ah. Le He's not even French. He's a British guy. So and that's his the other nom thing, de plume. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Hot Skull. If you want to talk about uh, limited series based on books, it's Turkish. If you are okay with watching with subtitles, I recommend it highly. Um, I watch English the, programs with subtitles. Oh, me too, all the time. Um, it, it really helps. Uh, Basically, ever whenever after Betty was born, um, I I've always watched those subtitles because there's always ambient noise around. Yeah, and when I say ambient noise, I mean like shouting, uh, loud talking, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, People so the, who don't respect your TV watching. Exactly, uh, and and really, in the grand scheme of things, my TV watching is never that important, even though it feels really important. Right. Um, one thing that you know it's it's hard sometimes people talk about this for married couples to find a show that both of them want to watch yeah you know so for a while like uh jennifer was was watching this uh 911 call center show that had a whole bunch of people in a 911 call center uh and uh and i would watch that even though it was never something i would watch by myself in the same way, um, and I this is my confession, I did a horrible thing, uh, and I realized it was a horrible thing. It was a horrible TV thing. But um, Jennifer started watching Wheel of Time on Amazon, and she left to go do something, and she came back, and I had started looking at other programs. I didn't have one that I wanted to watch. I still I was asking her, "Hey, would you want to watch this? Would you want to watch this?" Even though she had already picked one out. Yeah. And and that was that was wrong and just crazy of me. And I'm talking to you about it on the podcast, but I hope that she can't hear me because it may, you know, Drum dredge up, up old that feelings. that thing. Yeah. Uh, but it was wrong of me. Uh, so anyway, finding something that we both like. She watched uh, Slow Horses uh, with me, which I really recommend. Uh, it's on Apple TV. Uh, yeah, it's got um, Gary Oldman. Yeah, Gary Oldman. I've seen I've seen it on Apple TV, but I have not watched it. Yeah, it's good. Um, so so we watched that. But now there's a show that both of us like at the same amount. What? We both like the show. It's called Physical 100. It's Physical a, 100. It's a Korean show where people uh, compete in physical challenges to see who has the most perfect body. Okay. And they have torsos of themselves that were cast, right? Cast torsos made out of plaster. And when you leave the competition, you have to smash your own torso with a hammer. <laughs> it's great. Uh, wonderful show. Oh, uh, so we have five minutes left. I want to tell you something. This is another confession of sorts. This is my I'm confession. doing something in my home campaign. Uh, one, of, one of my players is not going to be able to make it at the next session. And I had a thing planned, but the thing that was planned involves that character. 
and so I don't want to move forward with it. So instead, the characters are going to get a, a side mission where they try to solve a murder mystery that has happened in a Hobbit village. The Hobbit village's name is Hampton, H-A-M-T-O-N, and someone has stolen all the pigs and all the food from the village, Ben. And you would be crazy to think that maybe that in another universe, the exact same village exists with the same people named the same, except they're gnomes. <laughs> I am recycling oh. uh, the adventure. And running nice. them through it and see if they do it any differently than our fans. I was thinking I'm not I'm not using people's characters. I'm only using my characters that I created for it. Yeah. Uh, because uh, there's a there's a special thing there. Uh, but yeah, they're all all the all the gnomes are now halflings. Are you gonna have the um, annex player characters as sort of like NPCs? No, no, this? that's what I that's that's the thing that I was saying when I said oh, that. Oh, they're not even um, going to be like be there and like give they're not going to be NPCs like or anything like that. They're gotcha. they're it's an alternate universe where instead of those people, um, these characters show up. Gotcha. And, and the town doesn't have heroes. Um, I might have the equivalents of something happened to the I don't know, I don't know how it's exactly going to work. But yeah, the player characters don't have doppelgangers in this world. Gotcha. Uh, because I felt like I wanted to I wanted to keep at least some things separate. Um, and I miss those guys, those characters. <laughs> And I, I would feel I would feel bad if I was running them without like maybe the people would like it, but on the off chance that they'd be like, you know, hey, why did you kill my character? Um, even though it wasn't their character, you know, I, I'm leaving that alone. Well, if you miss them, there is 16 hours of content on YouTube with those characters. No, I've already experienced it. I don't need to. <laughs> you don't need to go back. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah. Um, hey, speaking about which, is there uh, is there more Ang's game stuff happening? What's the what's the latest? The next thing that's going to happen, as far as Ang streaming is concerned, on Sunday, March fifth, there's a there's going to be another edition of Kaiju Battle Arena. Nice. That's what I was. That's what I was hoping to plug. Yeah. So Kaiju Battle Arena is going to be on Sunday, March fifth. I. Th think at 6 p.m. Pacific. I might be getting that confused with my call time or the go time. I don't know, but it's so far away in the future, I am not even thinking about it. I know it exists as a thing, and I will think about it more as the time draws close. Uh, audience audience favorite kaiju battle? People enjoying it? Having, having fun? I who knows? I mean, it's all streamed. And it's all. So it's all. So it's, so nobody. Sh okay. So I, I guess again, this is the this same, is one of those things where there's the same sort of interaction where people can pay to affect the game. Yeah, and I apologize. This is what I was talking about. I for I people then are having live theater here, and and shows and stuff. Yeah. That's where I was confused. So so Annex does not have an audience for the Kaiju battle. No. Not and a live I, audience. 
I apologize for uh, suggesting that there might be. When you when you had that blank look, I was like, oh wait, yeah. And then you said they're still streaming. I was like, that's yeah. right. It's like you're living in the past, and I'm living in the Mad Max future. Like you're <laughs> you're more healthy and and careful. <clears throat> I'm the people who are eating rats and putting on We're like still trying to be reasonable here in the past. Yeah, exactly. Haven't even cleaned hey, up the theater. Look, we got a whole we got a table up there. It's got stuff on. It got cameras right behind me, just hanging yeah. out. So I will got say a whole this: desk um, here. you know, for, it's, uh, talking about uh, cleaning up the place and all that. We've cleaned up on our obligation to our audience for an hour's worth of content. <laughs> um, so, Good Ben, segue. thank you so much. As always, I uh, love talking. Yeah. Did I mention to you that I was at a... This is something that happens in Illinois. There was an electronics store um, that had all sorts of weird, crazy electronics. Going out of business sale, uh, there was a Segway that they were selling. A uh, real se city-changing Segway. Yeah, I almost bought it, but they were like, yeah, the batteries don't work, and the buying batteries for it would be uh, ten times more than we're selling the Segway for. So I was like, oh, all right, never mind. Then, yeah. So Why would you buy it unless you wanted to use it as an art piece? <laughs> exactly. And who knows? Uh, so maybe someone more uh, you know, technically inclined than me had a battery. For a Segway lying around, and was like, you know, I'm sure that person exists. Maybe That's they just the converted it to a plug-in, exactly. so they can only Segway as far as their longest extension cable. I think you, I, I think you know. Before we end the the episode, I want to talk about again a Goody Lawrence bit that never happened. Something that you and I used to talk about, but we never really pulled the trigger on. Uh, shovel fight, of course, being number one. I think. Uh, but, but one of the other ones was, uh, band connection. Do you remember this? I don't. The idea was that we would go into, uh, the classifieds, uh, I think of the stranger, find a drummer that was looking for a band and a band that was looking for a drummer and invite both of those people to annex to perform right as a, we would we would try to set bands up but the logistics of it was just i i think part of it was brett didn't want people that he didn't know who never played together to play together at spin the bottle that didn't <laughs> seem like a good idea which i think makes sense um, we could have started some beautiful relationships that way this this is what i was thinking but you know i think it all works out uh, and so, Ben, uh, speaking of it all working out, we've worked out another episode of the Goody Lawrence Podcast. It's worked out. Yay. Two segues. Good talking um, about. Good talking about. Yeah, good talking to you, Paul, and about yeah. you at times. I, I think that a lot of the show, arguably, it could be said that a lot of the show is talking about me. So I, <laughs> I appreciate it, uh, Ben, and I will talk to you next week. Until keep then, wrong, keep it Paul. wrong. Yep, keep it wrong. Talk to you then. And we're clear. Yeah. Oh, I'm stopping the thing, too. Bye, everybody. Um, oh, no, it didn't stop.